We're all continually learning how to be the best technical leaders we can be. And sometimes it takes more than a half an hour to learn something. So we've brought back tech executive consulting Aviv Ben Yosef to finish our conversation from last week. This episode is sponsored by Linear B. Give your dev team the power to improve with team-based metrics, high-risk code alerts, and the world's first project board based on real-time Git activity. Sign up free at LinearB.io. Hey everyone, welcome to Dev Interrupted. I'm your host, Dan Lines, and today I'm joined again by tech executive consultant and author, Aviv Ben-Yosef. Aviv, thanks so much for joining. Hey, Dan, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I made a note because I really wanted to talk about this. If you're in a situation, I'm an engineering leader, and you're lucky enough to be able to triple your team size, which probably means that your company is doing well in in at least a few KPIs, maybe you got some money from an investor, and you're starting that process, but you're not seeing the output, and maybe you're starting to get some of those questions from the CEO, hey, I gave you all this money to hire, and I'm not seeing our roadmap progress faster. If you're finding yourself in in that situation, what do you do? I give you the consultant answer and the coder answer, which is it depends. But I would say that usually what I start with when I'm trying to find the root cause, I start with looking at your management skeleton within the organization, because I believe that essentially the engineering managers are responsible for most of the progress and growth that's being done in your company. And it it changes from one company to the other. But in many companies, engineering management isn't seen as a profession for most of the managers I'm seeing. It's for first timers, I'm giving it a shot, or I feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And their managers aren't treating it as they would treat, I just brought in a junior engineer and I'm helping that engineer become better. I don't see enough coaching happening. I don't see enough frameworks and tools being given to those managers to learn how to manage their people, to learn where they need to be focusing. If you help all of your managers, and that's usually my first step, realize what does it mean to be a manager? Learn how to provide good coaching-like feedback that helps people grow and then treat their product, treat their the, the way they measure their own success as in how good is my team, not how good is my team delivering. They need to deliver. It's their work, even if I'm doing some of the coding. What I want to see is that the team is becoming better. Each and every person there becomes a bigger force multiplier for the rest of the team or the rest of the organization. And if that's the way I measure myself as a manager, and multiply this across all the managers in your organization, especially in an organization and scale up, tripling the size, that compounds to a huge impact. And it takes time to get the ball rolling. But I believe that's often enough to make a big change in the way the organization is working. There's a bunch of more stuff that you need to look at, like Maybe your tool set is no longer relevant. Maybe I just talked to someone who said our code base became so big that code completion doesn't work even if you're using a Mac Pro. It's just too slow. That sort of stuff, it's very technical. But sometimes, most times, what the team needs is better management and better alignment. 
And I genuinely believe that you can do it if you get people to have the right way of thinking about managing. The- and the other thing about it, and this is one of the biggest differences from being a developer to a manager, to director, to a VP and so on, is you are putting in that time to your manager still, and you're putting that time on the calendar, you're doing that coaching, and your kind of like KPI is are they getting the outcome from their team? And that's probably one of the the bigger things that that you need to learn. I saw a phrase that you have. So I, I work with a, a lot of Israelis. Not everyone in the world does. So you're going to have to define this for us. But there's a phrase that I, I thought was pretty cool. And it's called chutzpah-driven development. Can you unpack what does that mean? Yeah, I really like this phrase. I almost called the book Chutzpah Driven Development. Chutzpah means essentially that you are not afraid to go straight to the point. You're not afraid to provide that candid feedback we talked about. And usually when you talk about chutzpah, it's not the boss coming and telling someone in the team something. It's more effective when it's someone telling their boss that the boss is missing something or telling a peer. And you need to do it in a way that's not rude. You need to be in a, you, you need not be a dick, like we said earlier. I believe, you, you can see it with a lot of Israelis, especially in the army days, because we're really young. Someone who's 18 year old usually doesn't view authority as too much of a big deal. And when you cultivate that sort of communication, I believe that it makes, first of all, it makes everyone feel heard. And second, it actually saves a whole bunch of time because discussions are faster. We don't do a lot of mistakes because someone is just nodding along and doing something that they know is completely wrong because they don't want to speak up. And I actually train people on how to solicit chutzpah from their employees so everyone speak up and talk. And I have a great example. When I was in the army, I'm sorry, you seem to have a bunch of army stories, but not all my stories are army stories. But this is one I particularly like. I was 18 or maybe 19, I was a corporal. And I was like two months into this big project and I was talking to a Lieutenant General, which had a title of, I think, Fountain of Knowledge. We have five of those in the Intelligence Corps. And we were talking about something and he suggested something that I knew was wrong. And I I just point blank said, hey, that's wrong. It's not going to work. There's no way we can make it work. And we should be considering this and that. And you know what happened? Nothing. People just said, oh, that's interesting. Let's talk about it. And that's it. No one made a big deal out of it because that's what people expected. I wasn't this hero speaking up. That's essentially what everyone around were doing. And I love that. And I want to see that so that, for example, when you have an all hands and the new IC, I want to see them asking the CTO or the VP or the CEO a question that they're looking around and saying, hey, why aren't we looking at this? Or why are we spending so much time on this huge Fortune 10 client that demands all of this work but isn't paying enough? I want to see those discussions happening. And to solicit that, I always say that you, first of all, need to make it explicit that you expect it to happen. You have to stop shooting the messenger. And 
Even more so, you need to learn how to make people talk. So for example, I would ask if we're starting a new change initiative or we're doing some changes or I'm thinking about doing something or announcing that I have an idea about how we should be running our sprints or whatever. I don't just ask, so everyone got it or do you all think this is a good idea? What I would ask is what bugs what obstacles, what issues are you seeing with what I just suggested? I'm saying, come on, this is the point where you tell me where I am wrong. I don't just say, is this fine? I'm saying, where isn't this fine? I want to ensure that I'm getting all of the opportunities for people to speak up and not just in one-on-one two weeks later. I want them to speak up right now. So you have to learn how to ask these. And some people, when I tell them to do it, engineers, they feel like that's a redundant question. I asked if everything's fine. If I didn't get an answer, there's no reason for me to ask again. And I'm like, no, that's exactly when you need to ask again. If you're hearing silence, then someone's not speaking up. And that's the sort of stuff that I'm helping clients do you know, globally, helping people across all ranks talk to their peers and talk to their bosses and even provide better feedback to their employees if they don't know how to do it. I think the lesson here is if you are an engineering leader or an executive and you're not hearing from your people when you say, hey, I have this idea or I want to do something, if you're not hearing any pushback or suggestions or even for me, hey, hey, Dan, that's completely wrong. You're missing something then you're doing something wrong as a leader. You're probably not providing a culture that people feel that they can say something because you as a boss, you actually can't see everything. Your people can a lot of times actually see much more than you can. And you need that bi-directional communication. Unfortunately, I've worked for a few bosses that wasn't as acceptable to speak up. But I've also worked for people where that was the culture and that's the right culture. Everyone on the team feels good. It's more creative. You basically get more organic. I would call it productivity or creativity. And actually, as a boss, it's better because it's not all on you to have the best idea every single time. That's actually a really bad place to be in. Hey, Dev Interrupted community. On August 11th, I'll be joined by four leaders of remote work. Darren Murph, GitLab's Global Head of Remote. Lawrence Mandel, Director of Engineering at Shopify. Shweta Serif, Senior Director of Engineering at Equinix. And Chris Downard, VP of Engineering at GigSmart. They're coming on for a live stream panel to share their insights and perspectives on the future of remote work and also how to successfully hire, onboard, and work remotely. This event is free, and I'll include a link in the show notes. I hope to see you all there. We're going to move on to our our last topic here around creating high-impact R&D organization and teams. I think you've pointed out that tech companies spend an average of 15% of their revenue on R&D. They find that return on this large investment may decrease at a fast pace as they're growing. What do you think organizations need to do to maximize the impact of that large R&D investment? I think that it is twofold. When I'm talking to CEOs, CTOs, VPs about how can we say that their R&D organization is doing fine, that it has a big 
impact on the company, we need to be looking at two things. First of all, there's road delivery. An engineering organization needs to deliver what was on the roadmap and to do it in a way that has a high quality bar, is on time, is on budget. That's what we should be doing. But when I'm talking to people, for them, that's that's the stretch goal. I want to hit the roadmap. And I'm like, come on, that's, I call it meeting expectations. First of all, we have this. And for this road delivery, you need to be measuring stuff from the Accelerate book. And how is my team doing the work day in, day out? Do we have people waiting for pull requests for weeks just because we're not doing the process correctly? That sort of stuff, because it's picking money off the floor. There's that. And second, I'm asking, how can we transition from being a cost center that does, you know, where we're being fed the roadmap and we execute on it, just taking an order and saying, all right, that feature, would you like fries with that? I'm saying, where are you taking the initiative as an R&D organization? Tech capital, like I talked about earlier, when you step up and say, we feel like we can help marketing become better. And no one asked you to do it. You just know that you can help. That's how you have an even a bigger impact on the company. When you create innovation regularly, not just have a hackathon, once every two years you have this two-day hackathon and you feel, oh yeah, we're innovative. No, that's not innovation. That's putting innovation and creativity in a box and you're telling your people you can be creative like one day a year. I hate that. I wanna see people being innovative regularly with, I call these intermissions, like let's have time from time to time where we can try new stuff. Sometimes it's going to be some tech debt, but other times it can be stuff like, how can we make our deployment pipelines faster? How can we make sure that our alerts are better so we don't wake up for no reason in the middle of the night? And how can we help other people in the organization create tools for sales, tools for marketing, help product measure things even better, help product try something out that's not even going to go to the you don't have to merge it to master domain. You can just have some tests along the way because someone in product just had a, a crazy idea and they want to test it out. If you create an organization where that can happen and when the team knows that sometimes they can fail, sometimes when I'm trying an innovative idea, it doesn't move the needle. It doesn't have an impact. That's fine because if hackathon after hackathon, intermission after intermission, you always declare success, then you're not actually pushing yourself. You're not actually going out of your comfort zone when you're trying to have these big impact wins. And that's what I'm trying to help companies do. It's a big thing. I think that it's something that people should check out. Yeah, absolutely. This is an important stuff. You also, for example, mentioned what can we do to triple the impact of every single engineer? And at Linear B, that's where everything that we're doing, all of our, our Linear B platform, it enables productivity for engineering teams. Every person on the team, you mentioned, for example, the Accelerate book, we have all of those metrics, the cycle time, the mean time to restore, the change failure rate, all of that. But we did something interesting lately. We have a feature that we call Worker B. And what WorkerBee does, it's for every single developer within the organization. They all are able to sign up for this WorkerBee feature. 
And what it does is send real-time messages to them within Slack or within Teams, whatever chat protocol that they're using about their work. For example, someone is waiting for you to do a pull request review or your PR just got merged. It's going to be deployed soon. Your PR has been up there for a long period of time and nobody's looking at it. And what we found is the organizations that roll this worker bee feature to all of their engineers, they're seeing an improvement in those top line DORA style accelerate metrics. And the reason why is each engineer is getting twice as efficient or effective because they have this little worker bee buddy that's looking out for them. And what I wanted to ask you is what have you seen that organizations can do to get that tripling effect with their developers? First of all, things like what you just said, I think that the market for having better analytics and metrics and tools and insights for engineering is a treasure trove. So there's that. But also what I'm seeing is we create alignment that very distilled. And I want to create an organization where each engineer understands why they're doing what they're doing, how it affects the end goal. And that starts when people are talking about OKRs or uh, cross-functional teams, pods, task forces, what have you. And I believe in those. And I think that if you do that correctly, you get better impact per engineer because people tend to waste less time doing stuff that's of low impact. The engineers, when they have autonomy, when they have agency, when they sit down with product and decide how to shape the work that they're doing, they tend to focus on doing what actually matters, especially if you have the right sense of urgency in the room. We're not going to do process of, I'm going to add a bit more here and a bit more there because it's the shiny new Node.js package I saw on Hacker News. I'm going to do what actually needs to get done. And I'm going to focus on that thing like a beast. And I'm going to get it and I'm going to see the impact and I'm going to learn from it and become even better. We have to have that feedback loop where we teach our people, not just the retrospective of, did we execute the sprint? But think about Two months later, someone also makes sure that we sit down and say, hey, remember those features we rolled out two months ago? Here are the stats, here are the metrics, and we can now learn, did we invest too much into features prematurely? Or did we have some assumption that now we can learn for the next quarter, that sort of stuff. I want to see that learning happening. And lastly, one last thing that I think everyone should be aware of is the fact that you can't be this impact-oriented if you don't have those intermissions to play around and tinker. And that's when I allow you to fail. You're not failing in the sprints because sprints, we know what we're going to get done and we do it. But if you have an intermission, let's say every two, three, four sprints, whatever, then that's when we actually can play and try things out. And if you get the right balance, that's when I see teams unlocking amazing impact and that's sustainable. They're not being burnt out. This is why micro feedback loops are all the rage right now. If I go back to the developer perspective, if we have a really quick cycle time and I know that after I write my code, I could get it into production and 15 minutes later, I can learn something about that code or that feature or the response of the customer. That's how we 
see huge impact. And if I can do that over and over again for every single engineer, wow, then you'd be in really good shape. We are coming up on time. Last question here. Viv, you have been involved in our Dev Interrupted Discord community, and it's great to have you there. What do you see as the value for engineering leaders to join these types of communities with other engineering leaders and knowledge being shared? Like, Do you recommend that? And how has it impacted you and the people you work with? I think that essentially everyone needs several different types of support systems nowadays work. And for devs, it's extremely useful because you can see what other people are saying and you can see what's being done at other teams that you might not have. Sometimes you have friends in other teams and other companies that you can ask, but something like your Discord provides you with so many different people that you can always find someone that can tell you about their past experience, which is extremely valuable in and of itself. But when we're talking about leads, when we're talking about executives, when you're talking about managers, they are often feeling a lot more you know, alone. They are lonely in their organization because they don't have as many friends and they cannot share openly with their team members because they manage them. Most of the times they cannot just tell them what they're thinking or what issues they're having. And you need to have support systems within the company, like your peer managers, but a place like that Discord that allows you to talk to other managers, see what they're seeing, see what has been working for them and gain that sort of insight and camaraderie, especially in a year of the pandemic here we've just had, I think that can really help people feel better, learn faster, have a place where they can be vulnerable. I'm loving those sorts of communities. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't say it better myself. This has been a really cool conversation. Aviv, thanks so much for taking the time to tell us more about your work, your new book, and all of the insights that you've provided for engineering leaders and engineering organizations. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. Of course. So if listeners want to connect with you on your consulting work or learn more about your book, where can they go? They can get a free sample chapter, which is about the innovation part I talked about on techexecutiveoperatingsystem.com. And if you want to reach out and talk to me, you can just ping me. My email is on my website, avivbenyosef.com. There's also a link to the newsletter and podcast and everything else over there, but I'm always happy to talk to leaders about what they are going through. All right, everyone, make sure you check out everything that Aviv has just said there. Also, be sure to join the Dev Interrupted Discord community where, like we just said, we keep this conversation going all week long. If you haven't already reviewed the show on Apple Podcasts, please take 60 seconds to do Apple Podcast reviews are a really important way that our show guests get discovered. And of course, everything that we've uh, discussed, including Aviv's new book, is available in the links in the, the description below. Aviv, thank you again. It's been awesome.